This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hey, hey, welcome. Disability Law Show. Good to have you back uh, with us today. It is going to be Martin Willems uh, handling things out of BC and Savannah Tamarkin, of course, co-founding partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, uh, practicing, as I just mentioned, uh, I've alluded to Martin there in BC and Alberta and Ontario, respectively. You want to reach out to the fellas and their team anytime, one 855 821-5900. Email that we're going to use shortly is help at disabilityrights.ca. Actually, it's going to be a combination of the email and another website that's free and anonymous called mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll read some of those questions. And then finally, I know uh, Savannah refers to it all the time because it's simple. It's easy to use. It's like Lego. It's called ltdfaq.ca. Exactly what it sounds like. FAQs, notations about LTD, really simple to use and navigating an LTD faq.ca but guys we got so much to get through who's uh, who's kicking it off first savannah you or martin what do you think let me let me start i, I have cool. an interesting story here that i think our listeners may be interested in especially anyone that's dealing with uh with long-term disability right now and is dealing with their adjuster and specifically the issue of being able to go back to work or try to go back to work so this is a story not a story this is a situation that's just occurred this past week with a friend of mine uh, his wife, actually. Now, they're in their mid-60s, and uh, his wife is on LTD. She has a private LTD policy, uh, and it pays a lot. It pays over $7,000 a month, so it's a substantial payment. Now, she's suffering from severe depression, anxiety, a whole slew of, of mental health issues, stemming back to 2019 when her mother, uh, with whom she was very close, uh, had passed, uh, died. And so since then, she's been really just a complete mess. And I know this. I mean, I know these people. They're good people. And so she's been on on shortened disability and then transferred to long-term disability. And uh, what's happened interestingly recently is this. She has a family doctor, and she also has a psychiatrist. And she's seeing both of them regularly. Now, the psychiatrist had recently been given a form by the insurance company to fill out as an update. Because, of course, insurance companies require these updates to maintain you on long-term disability. And and so the psychiatrist goes through the questionnaire. I'm looking at it right in front of me right now. He's going through it. And, and, you know, it's asking what specific symptoms is your patient currently experiencing. And he's going through all the various symptoms. Uh, It's asking how these symptoms and how these conditions are affecting their day-to-day living, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm going to scroll down. We get to question number nine. And and this is where the issue have uh, now has arisen. Uh, the the uh, uh, question is this, is a return to work plan being considered or currently in place? And the psychiatrist uh, put in a check mark on yes. And uh, under the section where he can write something, he wrote uh, attempting to attend, um, sorry, uh, attending her work a couple of times a week for two hours. Now, here's the thing. This lady used to work in a clinic as, as one of those kind of patient relations individuals dealing with, with you know, uh, billings and all that kind of stuff, interacting with customers, et cetera. At the same time, she also has uh, a, a, a travel agency. She's part of a travel agency. So she had these couple of jobs. Now, here's the interesting thing. On the advice of her family doctor, she started attending her 
uh, other uh, job or, or workplace, the, the travel agency, where she knows individuals there a few times a week, as her psychiatrist mentioned here, except it's not to work. It's to interact with the people there because she's very isolated at home. Remember, we're dealing still with a COVID world, right? So not only is she suffering from depression, anxiety, and everything else because of her mother's death a few years ago, but she's also very isolated. And so she's told this to the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist, I guess, misinterpreted or at least misfilled uh, um, um, uh, out the form stating that she is going to work a couple of times a week for about two hours, but she's going to her place of work, except she's not working. In fact, she's in no position to work. Her psychiatrist agrees that she's in no position to work. She's unable to work. Her family doctor says she's unable to work, but now the insurance adjuster is starting to ask more and more questions. And, and when the insurance adjuster has contacted this lady and asked her and said, well, can you give me some information about what kind of work you're doing? This lady, a friend of the family, has said, listen, I, it's, there's miscommunication here. I, I'm not actually back to work. Uh, I, I, on the advice of my doctor, I'm trying to get out uh, and, and I'm trying to interact with people that I know to help me. Uh, perhaps you should get you know, clarification from my psychiatrist, to which just this morning she received a response uh, from, from the adjuster that said, well, we don't need clarification because your psychiatrist specifically wrote that, there is, uh, you know, that, that, that you're back at work twice a week. So the reason I'm saying this, we're going to straighten this out. I'm helping them out with this. Uh, but, you know, the reason I'm mentioning this is because it is so important. It is so crucial to understand that whatever the, 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 the doctor, the treating doctor, puts in writing uh, that goes to the, to the insurance adjuster, the insurance adjuster will take that. And if they can, they will cherry pick information. And I'm sure Martin has his own slew of examples on cases. We see this time and time again. Now, sometimes these adjusters do this because on purpose, they're trying to cherry pick certain information, pick out certain things that are helpful to the insurance company, even though it's not painting, a, it's not the accurate picture of what's going on. Sometimes uh, it's because these adjusters simply are, are not that sophisticated. They're not that educated, no. that experienced. So I don't know what the situation is here, but I can tell you that what I am helping them with right now is, first of all, to correct the situation here, to get the adjuster on the same page as the doctors, number one, or in the alternative, and this is really key, this is why I tell people, contact us. Before you're denied, if you have these kinds of issues, contact us so we can help you, is to, is, is to you know, if the, if the insurance company doesn't correct their behavior and, and doesn't do what they're supposed to do, then at least we are now positioning the, the, the claims file, you know, and this is all in writing, by the way, all these communications are in writing, in such a way that if she gets denied down the road, we have now a record, a documentary record, these emails back and forth, where, you know, this individual has advised uh, multiple times this adjuster, no, you are misconstruing the, inf the, the, the information from the psychiatrist, you should be clarifying it with the psychiatrist, and frankly, if they deny her on this basis, which is erroneous, and they've been told it's erroneous, that could give rise to a claim for punitive damages down the road against the insurance company. In other words, the insurance company could be in big, big trouble. But she would never know how to do this. This is where we come in, myself, Martin, the team. We see this a lot where insurance companies are simply cherry-picking information that is inaccurate and then making decisions, life-altering decisions for these poor individuals who need this disability money to survive when it's completely unfair. So it, that's the message here. Just make sure that you have, you know, you're communicating with your doctors when you're dealing with the, this kind of information. Make sure that your doctors are very, very careful with what they tell the insurance company because if the insurance company can seize on any word that's helpful to them, trust me, they will. Martin, what do you think, pal? 
You know, thanks, uh, Stephen. I'm sorry your friend is going through that. That is, is a it's a good example to explain how insurance companies often deal with cases. And I think one thing that I would want to mention on this is a disability policy is is a peace of mind policy. is recognised as a peace of mind contract, and that means that the insurance company has a duty to the person making the claim, which we would often call the insured, to adjudicate the claim on a reasonable, objective, and fair basis. So if a psychiatrist psychiatrist makes a comment that is taken out of context, and then the insured, being this lady, tells the adjuster, well, that's wrong. This is what I'm doing. Confirm it with my psychiatrist. The response is, we don't need to do that is breaching that duty, I would say, of having to adjudicate the claim on a reasonable and fair basis. And as Stephen says, that would open up the possibility of a punitive damages claim if this claim were ever to be denied. And it's sad that people have to go through this time and time again when this lady is struggling with depression. She's doing what a psychiatrist is suggesting. She's taking positive steps to get better. She's trying to reintegrate herself into society. And then that is held against her to the extent that that probably will worsen her condition again because this is creating stress. So I'm glad that Stephen is getting involved in this. But yes, we often see cases like this where the insurance company will pick and choose clinical records. I, I see it in my practice. One day a person may go to the doctor and says, uh, I'm doing a bit better today. And the insurance company will say, oh, look, you're better. We're going to deny your claim. Yeah. When it should have been said in context, I'm doing better today in the context that I had a horrible week before. Today I'm actually getting out of the bed, whereas next week I may have a relapse again. It, things have to be seen in context. And what we see in our practices, often that insurance companies don't look at those cases in context. They would find and cherry pick a Siva and says, notes, or entries in clinical records that would support their position in an approach to try and deny a claim. Isn't it also a nice, uh, I wouldn't even say a fringe benefit, Savan, but isn't it also a wonderful thing that once you guys get involved, once a claim is started, all of this back and forth and all this dray that she's dealing with with the insurance company will stop because all communication goes through you guys, right? Yes, it does. But I want to make sure that we're clear with, with our audience here, because this is actually a question that was posed by my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing, when, when he mentioned this to me a couple of weeks back, when he came to me with this, uh, he said, first of all, do I need you involved right now? And I, I said, no. I said, she hasn't been denied. I said, I'm going to help you along the way. I'm going to make sure that we, you know, I monitor everything. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll help you through the process and dealing with this adjuster to try and right the ship. But you don't want me, uh, you don't want to retain my firm at this point. And I, I think, you know, we have to be careful here right. because if in this case they will retain a lawyer before there is a denial, my view, Martin may disagree, but my view is that that could potentially put unnecessary attention, draw unnecessary attention on this claim because the insurance company is going to say, wait a second, why do you suddenly have a lawyer? We haven't denied your claim. We're just trying to, you know, we're, we're on a you know, fact finding mission here. You know, we're trying to ask the doctors for information. Suddenly you get a lawyer involved. So we have to be careful. That said, we can help you from the sidelines. Uh, and, 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 but, but from that perspective, you still have to communicate with the insurance company. Now, to your point, John, if you get denied or if we do need to get involved, and we can tell you when we need to get involved, you right. can contact us. Again, it doesn't cost anything to chat with us. 
So, so really, this is free. I mean, why not contact us and find out, um, you know, what, what you should do? If we do need to get involved and we do get involved, you retain us, we become your lawyers. At that point, the insurance company is not allowed to communicate with you directly, period. They simply can't. I know from other cases, John, you and I have talked about this before, with lawyers who didn't really know what they were doing, representing individuals who were on disability, where they, in fact, let the insurance company adjusters continue communicating with their clients, which I thought was just insane for, for a variety of reasons. Right. But one of the major things are when we get involved with a claim that said there's a denial and we're now representing the individual in the claim, we are now that wall. The insurance company can't go through us to get to our client. They have to go and communicate just with us. And so the phone calls to you stop from the insurance adjuster. The emails stop. The, the letters stop. You can focus on just getting better. Let us deal with all the stress that you've been dealing with. And frankly, I mean, the reality is we're here to create stress for the insurance company, not the other way around. With that, guys, short break, lots more to go. Anytime you want to open up a line of communication, here is how. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. You also have the option of mydisabilityquestions.com. And the number, one 821 5900 We'll continue more disability law shows coming up. All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Thank you so much for hanging in through the break. And uh, anytime you want to correspond with either Martin or Savannah or their respective teams, it's really simple, right? Have a chat, clear up some things. There's a lot of misunderstanding in the arena of disability law. It takes a phone call or an email just to get your bearings. And uh, how do you do that? Help at disabilityrights.ca. The option of the free and anonymous website of mydisabilityquestions.com. That one's a beauty because you can search for past questions. Yours may be similar. It'll save you some time. Plus, one eight five. Five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and I think that is where we're going to go with an email now, uh, Savannah. A, a good one. What do you got? Yeah, this is a bit long, so I'm going to try and truncate it. But it's really, really interesting. I think uh, so. I'm going to I'm going to read it out, and uh, I'm going to take out any identifying information, and then I'll ask Martin to comment on it. Um, so the subject line is insurance company and LTD issue question, and this comes from uh, a lady in Alberta. Here's what she writes. I am a single mom and have been on LTD since November of 2020. I've been diagnosed by specialists, rheumatologists, and psychologists, as well as an outside doctor from the insurance company at the outset of all this, uh, with physical and mental issues. Arthritis in my feet, knees, hips, lower back, fibromyalgia, adjustment disorder, mixed anxious and depressive mood, insomnia disorder, and there's a whole slew of other disorders that she's mentioning here. In November 2021, I was in hospital for about two weeks with serious COVID-related pneumonia, later resulting in a DVT in my left uh, leg. Uh, aside from dealing with physical issues, there have been some very extreme things that happened to two of my children. Uh, I'm not going to go through these guys because uh, some of them are very graphic here, but she's gone through a lot and her family has gone through a lot. She then writes, my insurance company has sent a letter to my psychologist requiring information that would assist them with my return to work. They are offering assistance via several programs, some of which are focused on vocational planning and job search services, return to work program, etc. Neither my doctor or psychologist, or I for that matter, feel that it's possible for me to return to work at this time. I am a uh, junior high band teacher, and she talks about sort of her duties in school. Uh, she says, um, I, I know you're unable to help with the employment issue, but I believe and I'm hoping that you can help me with the disability side of things with the insurance company. 
what do I need to do? And she, then she signs her name. So very, very difficult situation here. Uh, Martin, if you can unpack this for us, that'd be great. Okay. So, well, this lady is going through a lot, not just with, uh, just, not just with only physical ailments, like the arthritis and the chronic pain and fibromyalgia. On top of that, she has significant psychological and psychiatric issues. She's been diagnosed with depression, depressive mood, insomnia disorder, and a slew of other things. So she clearly is struggling. I mean, anybody looking at this would understand that this lady is having a very, very difficult time. She has been on long-term disability benefits since November of 2020. And if this is like most disability policies, it means that after the two-year mark, there's going to be what is called a change of definition. And that definition change, if it is like most policies, would happen in November of this year. So we're in April. So the insurance company, from the looks of it, is also aware of that, and they're trying to get this lady back to work before that definition changes. There's a lot to be said about this. Um, Sivan did not go through the issues that she's having with her children. And as he said, they're graphic and they're significant, um, let alone this physical issues. This lady is having significant stress in her life. And rightly so that she's seeing a psychologist um, to assist her with those issues. Now, the insurance company, for whatever reason, I don't know where they came up with the idea that she should be looking at a return to work at this time, and they were looking at a return to a program. But clearly, and as one would look at these facts, she's not ready to do that. So the insurance company is somehow pushing that she gets back to work or that she at least enrolls in some return to work program. Her doctor is not agreeable to it. Neither is a psychologist. And clearly, she's not in a state to even think about returning to work. So what should she do? In a case like this where the insurance company is pushing, I always advise potential clients and clients, it's crucial to get your doctors on board. So if there were to be discussions about a return to work, have your doctor and psychologist communicate with the insurance company and advise them that she is not ready to return to work. Any push with the return to work may actually aggravate her condition to the extent that if she has made any gains, those gains may be lost because of the stress of having to be put back to work and potentially losing her disability benefits. So it's crucial in these cases. I had this discussion with somebody yesterday as well. I was engaged in a gradual return to work and it's not going well. Be 100% clear on this. Get your doctors on board. Make sure that you see your doctors on a regular basis. If you're engaged in a gradual return to work and it's not going well, tell your doctors so that they are in a position to communicate with the insurance company and provide an informed opinion. In this case, there should be no return to work discussion. The psychologist and the doctor, as I said, can write letters. They can advise why it is that she cannot return to work, be it because of lack of focus, lack of concentration, poor mood, poor sleep, etc. Detail why it is that she's unable to return to work. Because it, it, in, in a situation where somebody is a single parent, having ch children with significant difficulties and suffering with these conditions, any added stress is going to worsen her condition. So again, I would advise that she gets the doctors on board and communicate with them. And if there were to be a rejection of those uh, recommendations and if the insurance company were to deny the claim, 
get in touch with us because we can assist. We can discuss your options with you because they are options. It doesn't mean that because the insurance company says you have to return to work that you have to do that. That's just not how this works. If your doctors say you're not ready, you follow your doctor's advice because your doctors are in a position to give an opinion. In terms of uh, employment issues, I should just mention this as well. Our firm does do employment work as well. Seven and I are not employment lawyers, but if there are employment questions, by all means, reach out to our firm because there is a, there's a whole slew of employment lawyers who can assist as well. Um, Sivan, I'm sure you've got some uh, comments to make on this as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was a really great, I mean, really good advice that, that you were giving out. And, you know, one of the things that I will say as well, um, we actually have a memo on return to work type of questions uh, in that website that John had mentioned, yeah. uh, ltdfaq.ca, uh, where, you know, the most frequently asked questions on this topic, you can just go there, it's free, and it'll answer many of your questions. Second thing I was going to say is that, and Martin, I'm sure you've seen this too, I've had doctors, specifically psychologists, some psychiatrists, and, and other types of doctors contact me uh, exacerbated that, uh, and very, very frustrated and angry, in fact, that the insurance company, uh, insurance company adjusters uh, that are adjudicating their patients' claims are not listening to them. And I've had these doctors, and again, I, I can think of two psychologists specifically uh, that I've dealt with over the last few months who have asked me, what is going on here? I've told the insurance adjuster in no uncertain terms that my patient is simply not ready. And in fact, they told me uh, on two different occasions, different people, uh, that in fact, even speaking with their patients about a return to work program is aggravating their conditions. And, and you know, these doctors are doing their best uh, using all their skills to try and help these people only to have the insurance company actually do damage. And, 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 you know, it's one step forward, two steps back because of what these adjusters are doing. And so when I'm looking at the SEMO from this lady here that I read at the beginning, you know, it, it really strikes to me, uh, you know, it, it, it strikes a chord when she says, my insurance company has sent a letter to my psychologist requiring information that would assist them with my return to work. I don't know exactly what that means, but for the insurance company to ask a psychologist for information that would assist them and helping her go back to work, you know, what does that mean? They, they should not be telling the psychologist, we want to get this person back to work. They should be asking the psychologist if the psychologist feels that it's appropriate to commence some kind of return to work or work hardening program to try and help this person to go back. But again, you know, you do see in many instances, insurance companies go against whatever the treating doctors, treating practitioners are saying and doing. Uh, and sometimes when they don't get the responses they like, then they send the claimant to their own doctors, the insurance company. The insurance company sends them to an assessment. And, and we know they send them to an assessment so that hopefully they can get a report from their quote-unquote independent assessors that would help the insurance company justify trying to force the person back to work or cutting off their benefits if they refuse. Again, all these kinds of things are very common, unfortunately, but these are things we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, and we help people with those issues. So again, well, I if think you're in that situation, or if you know someone, John, I think people should be contacting us. I mean, again, this is, this is very important stuff. Oftentimes, we can even give advice that would avoid you know, the insurance company being able to, to make these maneuvers, but people don't know, and if they don't know, they're vulnerable.
Well, I think you've said before, and Martin has as well. I mean, you, you know, you guys as lawyers are not the gatekeeper of their health, either as their, either as their employer or the insurer. It's the doctor. And to your point, I mean, you got ltdfaq.ca, which says, you know, can my insurer force me back to work? And right there, it says no ifs, ands, or buts to this question. The answer is no. They can't, they can't do that as much as they'd like to strong arm you into it, right? And they do. They do. They, they uh-huh. try to strong arm all the time. Again, Martin sees this. I see this. And, 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 you know, the thing that really bothers me on top of this is not only they try to strong arm these individuals, but they, they, they maintain this power imbalance mirage, right? They make people think that they are omnipotent. You can't do anything to us. We're the insurance company. It is nonsense. There are laws in place to protect you. Now, it's true that they could potentially cut off your benefits or stop your benefits. But the reality is, what's the alternative? If, if they try to force you back to work with the threat of cutting off your benefits and you say, okay, fine, I don't want my benefits cut off, so I'll try to go back to work. Well, guess what? If you go back to work and you're not ready, number one, your health is going to suffer. Number two, they're going to stop paying you anyways because you're back yeah. to work. Yeah. So it, it's not like you're gaining anything by that. And again, the law is there to protect you, but you need to arm yourself with the knowledge, with the expertise, with the knowledge, with with you know, with the experience required to help you navigate this. And this is this is where we come in, and we do this on a day to day basis in Ontario, BC, and Alberta. So it's not like we are you know hold up in one little area. No, we work across the board, uh, and we see the same kinds of issues. Because remember, these insurance companies are national companies, sometimes international. So we're dealing with the same adjusters, with the same lawyers, with the same insurance companies. And this is what I'm saying. Take advantage yeah. of this knowledge. The contact is really easy. So reach out, have that conversation, right? one 821 5900 to reach Savannah or Martin's office, respectively. You can do that. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email we always pull from and that website, mydisabilityquestions.com. You can ask questions there. It's free and anonymous. You get your answer and move on. Just close your browser. And as mentioned a couple times already, ltdfaq.ca. Also free, ltdfaq.ca. And we'll continue. More Disability Law Show is coming right up hang on all right welcome back disability law show first if you're just joining us here's how you reach out to either savan or martin in bc and alberta and ontario practicing right across that region it is 1-855-821-5900 help at disabilityrights.ca and my disabilityquestions.com that's a place to ask your questions which is free and anonymous and um, no surprise we're going right there now this is from uh a gentleman named Paul, he writes in his question, again, mydisabilityquestions.com, says, I've been diagnosed with early-onset dementia. The stress created from working with a corporate team who don't care for me is affecting my diagnosis in a negative way. I'm afraid they will deny my claim, so I'm working while I shouldn't be. How about that? Well, thank you for that um, email, Paul. And I'm sorry about the diagnosis. I can say I've seen this play out before, this exact scenario. Um, and there are lessons to be learned. You know, when you're in it, you don't know how to deal with it. You're just going from a day-to-day basis. But standing on the outside, you can see where this can go wrong. So the first thing that I would say to Paul is, again, like with everybody else, get your doctors on board. Make sure that you see your doctor on a regular basis. Your doctor clearly is aware of the early onset dimension diagnosis. With that will come issues like poor memory, poor focus, poor concentration, maybe a depressive symptoms as well. It seems that Paul is working in a corporate environment, which means to me and tells me that he is working in potentially a high cognitive demanding job. And with this diagnosis, he's going to have issues performing those duties of that job. 
The concern for me when I look at this question is that Paul is going to carry on working to the extent that he's going to start making mistakes at work, that his employees are going to become concerned, and that they may ultimately terminate his employment. Then he may want to apply for long-term or short-term disabilities, disability benefits, and the insurance company may turn around and say, well, look, the moment your employment was terminated, you lost coverage, so you don't have coverage any longer. And I've seen that scenario play out before, and it's a difficult thing to remedy. It can be done, and I've helped people with these situations before, but as Paul is living it right now, get your doctors on board. You do not need to carry on working if your doctor is supporting that you cannot work, especially with an objectively diagnosed early onset dementia diagnosis. We know where that's going to go, unfortunately. So with respect to what should he do, if the doctor is advising that he should stop working, he should seriously consider that because you do not want to end up in a situation where you lose your employment and will no longer be able to, or potentially it may be more difficult to apply for disability benefits once that ends. Um, the fact that the employer is not supportive is concerning, and clearly that would create further stress. As he says, it's creating a negative effect on his diagnosis, which is the last thing you want with early onset dementia. So get the doctor on board consider stopping work because if you did apply for disability benefits and if the insurance company denied you with this diagnosis, I mean, that would be really concerning to me. I would suggest you reach out to us immediately because we can definitely help with something like this. Savannah, what do you think? Yeah, it's tough to beat that answer. It's it's on point in so many ways. Uh, The one thing I would add from an employment standpoint, not that we're employment lawyers, as Martin mentioned, uh, but, but I've been doing this enough uh, and I've been talking enough with our colleague employment lawyers to know this. You know, Martin's right. I mean, if you continue, Paul, to work and your condition deteriorates, and let's say your employer doesn't know about this, or even if they know about this, they let you go, other than creating those issues with your insurance claim down the road, you've lost your job. And by applying for long-term disability and being on it, before you're let go, in a way, you are shielding yourself from being terminated. Because in every jurisdiction in Canada, we have human rights legislation. And it is illegal to let a disabled person um, go from their job. It doesn't mean that employers don't do it. But once they do it, they open up a whole can of worms and we can go after them for human rights damages, severance, all that kind of stuff. So my point is that not only are you going to be in a better position from an LTD, from a disability application and benefit standpoint, if you apply now, if your doctors are saying you can't work and you agree you can't work, but also you'd be potentially shielding your job because your employer would be precluded from taking any action to let you go. So just keep that in mind as well. That's a great point. Again, reaching out, guys, anytime, one 821 5900 is how you do that, and help at disabilityrights.ca. Well, for Paul, he went to mydisabilityquestions.com, which works uh, just as well. we still got a few minutes, guys. Where do you want to take it, Savan? You got another uh, email or so you want to get to? We have a ton here, yeah. I want to yeah. get uh, uh, Martin's thought about this. I mean, again, this is about going back to work. So, so let me just read what this person wrote to us. So he says, I'm on LTD, and I've been asked to attempt a return to work. I am willing to cooperate. So far, the process slash support I am being provided by the insurance company has aggravated my anxiety and chronic pain, which has settled down once I was off work full time. I can't get a straight answer on whether my doctor's report has weight to stop the return to work process if it doesn't go well. 
I don't fully understand the process and I get the feeling that the insurer and perhaps my employer would like me to just retire. Very, very interesting. Uh, Martin, what are your thoughts wow. about that? Yeah. Oh, it's another return to work one, right? So number one, as we've said before, get the doctors on board. If the insurance company isn't accepting your doctor's uh, opinion that you should stop a return to work or you shouldn't engage in a return to work, you know, that's very unfortunate because my position on this is always, what does the insurance company know that your doctor doesn't know? The doctor is the person who is seeing you on a regular basis. The doctor is not just the person who sees you, but also examines you, has the benefit of making observations with respect to your condition. So in a context like that, when the insurance company simply has one of their doctors review the claim and decide, well, we think you're ready to return to work, I cannot see how such an opinion outweighs your own doctor's opinion. So I, with respect to for being forced to retire, no. If you're being paid disability benefits and if you're entitled to disability benefits, that's where the focus lies. And if there were to be a denial based on a rejection of the, the doctor's opinion, again, you should speak to us because we can assist in these situations. Guys, let's take a short break. We got, oh, you want to, it's on less event, you got something else to say. We can go to break and come back. It's up to you, pal. Yeah, let's go to break and come back. I do, I do yep. want to touch on a few points here. Yeah, exactly. We'll do that. So let's take a quick one. In the meantime, here's how you write down the number, or here is the number to write down. You want to reach Martin or Savannah and their teams. Again, one 821 5900 anytime, and email help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue. A few minutes to go. Disability Law Show continues. Stand by. That is right. You were listening to the Disability Law Show. Good to have you along in the show today. Martin Willemson, BC, of course, and Savan Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP. They are the most positively reviewed law firm across the board, across the country. You can uh, do your own uh, research and find that out as well. Martin working out of the BC office, covering uh, everything in BC, also uh, practicing in Alberta. That is Savannah and uh, Ontario as well. So we pretty much got you covered in those uh, in those regions. You want to reach out mydisabilityquestions.com. That is yet another place for you to ask questions anytime and get them answered. Let's go back to what we were talking about just before the break. Savannah, you can pick it up. Uh, go ahead, pal. Yeah, it's this person here who's who's uh, he, he's on LTD and he's uh, he's been asked to to try to return back to work and he's been cooperating with the insurance company, but he's concerned because the the process itself that's been put in place by the insurance company is aggravating his anxiety and chronic pain. Uh, so you know he's asking here. He says, I, "I can't get a straight answer." He says on whether my doctor's report has weight to stop the return to work process if it doesn't go well. Uh, and then he talks about the fact that he thinks the insurance company and the uh, his employer just want him to retire. And Martin addressed very good points here. Uh, I, I do want to focus on two things. Number one, your doctor, irrespective of what the insurance company says, has a lot of weight. It may not have weight with them in that they think they can unilaterally ignore what your doctor is saying. But I can tell you that if this became a legal matter, your doctor's opinion especially if there has been an opinion that's been expressed multiple times before you were cut off benefits or before you were forced back to work, is going to carry a lot of weight. And the insurance company is going to have to answer for why they ignored what your treating doctor has said. So it is very important, as Martin says, to make sure the doctors are all on board. And if the doctor disagrees with what the insurance company is recommending or wants to do, get them to put it in writing in as much detail as possible and give it to the insurance company, number one. Number two, 
You mentioned the word retire. I can't tell you, John, how many times I've had people come to me with this issue of, should I just retire? Everyone wants me to retire. My insurance company is forcing me to retire. My employer, here's the thing. First of all, if you retire, there could be complications down the road with your LTD policy, depending on the provisions of your policy. Uh, I'm not going to get into this right now, except to say that it it could become a little messy, okay, if you do retire. Number two, um, by retiring, again, depending on how the retirement happens, you may then uh, have access to a certain pension or may get a package from your employer, which depending on the wording of your insurance policy with your insurer, the insurance company may end up being able to grab that money or to get a credit for that money. So let's say you retire with a package of $40,000 as an example. The insurance company, depending on the provision of the policy, may say, well, guess what? You just got 40 grand from your employer for retirement. That's fantastic. Look at that provision under section nine of your policy. We're entitled to a credit. So we're not going to pay you LTD equivalent to the $40,000 you just got from your employer. So you need to be very, very careful of making these kinds of decisions. And again, I mean, kudos to this person here who wrote to us and is able to get the information that he needs. Many other people, unfortunately, Martin, I'm sure you see this, they come to us after the fact, after they've taken a decision, made a decision, they thought that they were pressured to make that decision, they took it, and now there are adverse consequences. Sometimes we can undo the damage, sometimes we can't, depending on the situation. So again, just be very, very mindful of the fact that the insurer cannot force you back to work if you're not ready. And if your doctors say you're not ready, number one. Number two, what your doctors say matters. It absolutely matters. Number three, do not retire without speaking to someone that has knowledge of these matters. By someone, I mean us. You can contact another firm if you want, another lawyer by all means, but we deal with these kinds of issues daily. That's what I'm saying. And again, it doesn't cost anything to get this information. Yep. Just be very careful before, you know, before making these kinds of decisions unilaterally. That number, by the way, one 821 5900 Martin, you got anything to add or you want to move on to our next email? No, I think that was a brilliant response. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay, okay Savannah, where do you want to go? We still got some time. We still got so many more emails to get through. <laughs> we do. We'll try it, right? Yeah. We do. Well, let's go to mydisabilityquestions.com. Again, interesting okay. situation here. Uh, and again, it touches on sort of the interplay between LTD, long-term disability, and employment. Here's what Justin here writes. He writes, my father works at a mill operating heavy machinery. He struggled in recent years with mental health issues and has been in and out of the hospital. I believe he's seen by his employer as a danger to the workplace as he has difficulty focusing on tasks due to how he has been medicated. The employer has expressed these things to him formally. When I spoke with his union rep, he told me that my dad would probably lose his job if he didn't return to work from LTD in six months' time. Is this true? And what factors are involved in this decision? You know, this is a very kind of obviously unfortunate situation, but this is a reverse situation, which we don't typically see, I don't typically see, where, you know, the person is not necessarily having an issue with, with the insurance company. But with the employer here, and, and listen, maybe the employer has a, has a legit uh, concern here with respect to the medications and, you know, if he's operating heavy machinery, it could be very dangerous. But it's strange to me that the, 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 the employer is basically saying that he may lose his job, or the union rep is saying, if he doesn't return to work from his LTD in six months. It's strange because... If it's a concern for the employer, why is he being forced to come back to work from LTD? 
And this got me into thinking, and I want to get Martin's thoughts on this in terms of what happens, and I'm not saying it happened here, but what happens when uh, it appears like the LTD insurer and an employer, especially a large employer, are coordinating things, right, against the employee, and sometimes they gang up on the employee. Uh, And I wanted to just get your thoughts on sort of how to deal in a situation where you're being squeezed by one side or the other, but you're getting a sense that... You know, there is this uh, unholy union between the two, and it's it's not really appropriate, especially since the information the LTD insurer has should not get into the hands of the employer in terms of diagnosis and things like that. What, what's been your experience with this? You know, it, it's a tough one, and I cannot say that I've seen too many of situ- these types of situations because, it's, as you say, it's unusual. It doesn't normally happen this way. It, it, it The insurance company would be paying benefits, and should be paying benefits as long as the person is disabled within the meaning of the policy. For, and and uh, to make it even more strange, uh, the fact that the union rep is seemingly also putting some pressure on uh, potentially pressure on his dad that he has to return to work within six months. Nobody knows where things will be within six months. Clearly, it seems that he's unable to perform the duties of his occupation, which is a dangerous occupation if you're having mental health issues and medications impacting your concentration, which I suppose is what we're talking about here. Um, Again, we go back to basics. I would say follow the doctor's advice. If you're not ready to return to work, then you simply cannot do that. And the employer is not going to let you come back to work. I don't think they can terminate you. And if they did take those steps, then you call us and speak to one of our employment lawyers. And for the same matter, if the insurance company were to deny the claim, uh, it doesn't seem like there's any discussion about that yet, but the coordination in the background is a concern. That's not really what should be happening. The employer is only privy or allowed to have some information with respect to the disability, uh, the, the diagnosis, for example. They're not allowed to know about that. Restrictions, limitations, prognosis, but they shouldn't be sharing medical information to that extent. I'm not sure if that's happening here, but I, I would say if there is any threat with respect to the employment, contact us. If there's any denial with the LTD, contact us as well. And that is how we do it for the show. Guys, nicely done. You want to reach out to Martin or Savannah now that we are going to wrap it up. Here's how you do it. One more time, one 821 5900 Email address we always go to, help at disabilityrights.ca. And the free and anonymous website, again, to ask more questions, would be mydisabilityquestions.com and memos about LTD. This one's easy. I'm on it right now, ltdfaq.ca. You can use that uh, anytime you'd like. And we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.